Welcome to episode number 14 of the Divorce Resource Guy podcast. Today we're talking about hijackles. What's a hijackal, you ask? Find out right now. Welcome to the Divorce Resource Guy podcast with Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. the Divorce Resource Guy, a former divorce attorney turned divorce coach, talking about all things divorce, including the good, bad, and the ugly from an attorney's point of view. Remember, you're not alone. And now your host, Jason Lavoy. Okay, everybody, you guys are in for a real treat today. We have a really good expert to talk about what we call hijackles. Relationship consultant, mediator, and speaker, Roberta Shaler, PhD, the relationship health doctor, provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis. Her mission is to help people stop tolerating abuse. Even in the United States, Marines have sought her help. Dr. Shaler focuses on helping the partners, execs, and adult children of the relentlessly difficult people she calls hijackles to stop the crazy-making and save their insanity. She's the author of 16 books, including Escaping the Hijackal, Trap and Stop, That's Crazy-Making, she hosts three podcasts, Emotional Savvy, Save Your Sanity, and Focus on Forward. Her YouTube channel for relationship help has reached over 200,000 views. It's my extreme pleasure to introduce to you guys, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Dr. Shaler, welcome to my show. How are you? I am so well, Jason. Thanks for inviting me to join you. Absolutely. I'm excited. I was on your show uh, a few weeks ago, and I'm glad to have you on mine now, and we can kind of continue the discussion or I should say really begin the discussion uh, about what you call hijackles Uh, and that's a word and a term that I love I know a lot of people love because it's it's unique and descriptive in its own right so let's just start off what is a hijackal well let me preface it by saying this is a non-clinical term that I created because I saw a need to have such a term for people who are in difficult relationships and they go to the internet and they put in what's happening to them and then they accept the word of the Google goddess that gives them a psychological answer to what the problem is. And that's not fair, nor is it likely accurate. So I wanted a term that described the patterns, traits, and cycles of the relentlessly difficult people that I now call hijackles. And what they are defined as by me, hijackles are people who hijack relationships for their own purposes and then relentlessly scavenge them for power, status, and control. Yeah, sounds really, really positive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, how did you come up with the term? Oh, well, that's one of those things that, you know, you're sitting around and you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure it out and it pops into your head and you go, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Sounds good to me. I think it sounds like it should be a drink, hijackal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you'd be hard pressed to know what kind of glass to put that drink in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Or what to put in it. (laughs) Yeah, well, it wouldn't taste good, I'll tell you that much. Um. Now, I've heard you uh, talk about this before, but people listening might not have. Um, Now, a lot of people, and I know you've dealt with this and deal with this, um, throw around the term, especially when they're dealing with divorce and and 
you know, conflict, conflict in relationships and contested divorces, they throw around the term narcissist. Mm. Um, and I've always said, uh, you know, I think that term is perhaps overused a, a little bit. Um, and, you know, I'm definitely not a, a professional to determine when that's a proper diagnosis or not. But, you know, I know it's thrown around very often uh, by people. Is there a difference between your prototypical narcissist and uh, what you define as a hijackal? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, that's the beauty of the term hijackal. Because for the exact reason you said, Jason, most people are not in a position to actually make a clinical diagnosis. But what you know for sure is what the patterns, strengths, and cycles that you're experiencing are. And so all hijackals drink from the same pool of traits, whether they have narcissistic tendencies, borderline, sociopath, psychopath, any antisocial or histrionic, they all drink from the same pool of traits. But you don't need to be a psychologist to be able to say, ah, that's how it feels when I interact with them. That's how they speak to me. That's what they do. Then you can say, I'm with a hijackal. You don't have to be looking at that because when you decide that a person has those traits, then you have to be able to determine the difference between what your question brought up, Jason. Maybe they're just a self-centered jerk or maybe they actually have narcissistic personality disorder. Does it matter? No, right. because you've got to deal with it. Right. At the end of the day, it, it, the, the effect is, is the same almost. Mm-hmm. Um, so then would you say it's possible to, is it possible to be a hijackal and not a narcissist clinically? Uh, yes, but you're going to have quite a few of the, of the traits of a narcissist and, and <laughs> in any hijackal, because sure. let me let me explain this. I mean, if from a psychological perspective, there are all these traits, and what happens when a psychologist diagnoses somebody with a specific personality disorder? The way that's done is through the interview process and and the um, the testing process is to find out how many of the traits they have of which different kind and how intense they are. And that's how you distinguish among the different collections of traits. But they all drink from that same pool of traits. So a narcissist is going to have pieces of a psychopath. A psychopath will definitely have pieces of a narcissist like that. Right. Okay. So it's like a, um, hodgepodge of traits in a way. Mm. Yeah, and they're all not very nice. Right, exactly. That's the one thing that they all have in common. Um, right. <laughs> now, I've heard you in the past, and correct me if I'm wrong in this, but I, I think I've heard you say that hijackals uh, are not necessarily born, but it's a, it's a learned behavior. Do I have that part right? Yes, there are three kinds of hijackals that we say are made and one and a half kinds that may be born. Oh, I like this. Yeah. I didn't hear this. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, the majority of what happens is that people's neural wiring changes over time. But in the case of some people that we, that research has studied, we see that 
people who tend to be psychopathic tend to be born with those neurological tendencies. Our early environment is very, very involved in shaping how we become that. Uh, there's some research that was done by a great guy. Um, and, you know, he, he could look at the patterns in a person's brain and see that they had the tendencies to become a hijackal, in particular a psychopath. And then he would look at their stories and see if those tendencies remained dormant or they were activated by the person's early environment. So we can have that miswiring, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to go in that direction if we're raised in a wonderful house with loving parents we're welcomed with joy we're never neglected we don't have a fear of abandonment we don't have to struggle to get someone's approval whole different situation than if we come in and we're born to a hijackal who looks at us as their property and while we're a baby and they say all people appreciate us as a baby and the parent feels like yes look what i did i created this beautiful thing and then this beautiful thing learns to say no to you and bam we're set up to be in competition mm. and everything goes sideways because a hijackal will value their child for what the child does to make them look good but they won't validate their feelings so that they're validated for who they are as a human being. Right. And I'm glad you brought up children because that was a, it's a great transition into my next question. Uh, I could have sworn you, you've said in the past that a hijackal can be, you know, I, I don't know how I should say this, but not born, but a child as young as three could learn the traits to be a hijackal at such a young age. Is that possible? Yes, you've, you've certainly heard me say that because okay. early environment is the most important and environment for shaping who we become. And the research shows that the greater tendency is that these things are put in place and nurtured from the time of two and a half to three. So that foundation is already laid that early. Yeah, that's, that's pretty scary. Very scary. Now, while a three-year-old potentially could become a, a hijackal, um, if, let's say, a child is lucky enough not to become one, um, it's, is it still the equally, and easy, um, equally possible to become a hijackal later on in life if you, if you didn't have those uh, tendencies when you were younger? No, but here's what will happen. If by some chance you, say you had a hijackal parent, right. you're going you're gonna to go pretty much two ways. And of course, there's all kinds of space in between. But the two ends of the spectrum are either you're going to become like the hijackal or you're going to become what I call hijackal bait. You are going to be really attractive to hijackals. And you are going to be subconsciously unaware because you feel comfortably uncomfortable with them because of the family you came from. It's what you know. 
it's what you know. So hijackals have this wonderful way of love bombing you and making you feel like you're the only person on the planet and they see you, they love you, and they appreciate everything about you that you have ever done or said. And they sweep you off your feet or they deeply engage you. And that idealization is what you've been longing for. Um, and so they do that just long enough to get you. Right. Hopeline and sinker. Yeah. And then this is so important because at that point, they have established the baseline for who you think they are. And then hijackles traffic and hope. So every time they behave badly, you hope that great person's going to come back. And this is what causes us to put up with so much bad behavior because we keep thinking, if only I can be more compassionate, less demanding, more patient, um, more loving, more nurturing, less in their face. Maybe I can make myself smaller so they can be bigger. All this stuff is going on in your head. While you're going through all of that, it's because you think that it's you and they've told you it's you. That if you weren't the way you were, they wouldn't behave the way they are. Believe me, they behave like that with anybody that right. they're close to. Not out in public, mind you, but anybody that they're close to and have at home. And so they get you to thinking that it's your fault, but it isn't your fault. And that's something you really, really have to come to grips with. It, it almost feels like it's a form of, uh, or, or like a, a tangent of gaslighting. Would you, would you say that's kind of Gas, like it? No, gaslighting is an absolute hallmark of a hijackal. Okay. They want to define your, rela- your reality for you. Right. So, you know, we see that every day in our country. Um, somebody says something one day, the next day they say the opposite. Somebody says, but here's the tape that you did the yesterday. Oh, that's ridiculous. You, the media, are always trying to, trying to show me in a bad light. <laughs> right, right. Actual evidence is right there. <laughs> that's hijackal behavior. Now, I've always wondered this from the from the point of view of the hijackal him or herself. Do do you think, or from your experience, is this a are hijackals consciously acting this way, or is is no. a lot of it subconscious to them? Well, this is the only way they know. So this is what they have to do to survive. This is what they had to do to keep that giant parent happy. So they morphed themselves into, shaped themselves into what would keep that, that hijackal parent happy. And so once they learn that, that that's, that's their law. That's the rule of life to them. So they just behave from that in order to survive. So... It- so it sounds like it's just a, it's almost like a vicious cycle in that if a hijackal parent raises a hijackal kid, odds are that hijackal child, when they become a parent, if they do so, they'll raise a hijackal child themselves. And it just goes well, on and 50%, on. 50% chance, depending on the strength of the other parent, right? Um, because hijackals tend to dominate so if you do have somebody, uh, the non-hijackal parent sees the patterns, gets help, and starts to mitigate and ameliorate what's going on uh, with some very strong strategies, then the child has a hope of seeing both sides of the equation and the possibilities of how to be. Right. 
when 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 do you think is the point of no return for a, a child oh that's a really tough question you know it it depends on the proximity of the hijackal like sometimes hijackal parents are off trying to create fabulous careers so they're very visible and they're getting a lot of accolades so they're not around a lot right that's a really good thing <laughs> right for the child right yeah so that in that case then the home parent has the opportunity to be instilling the values in the child to be telling the child who they are to be valuing the child for who they are to be validating their feelings so those children then feel closer to the non-hijackal parent and they have better vision. One problem is though that they long for the attention of the absent parent and so they tend to idealize that parent. Interesting. The, the, now I'm, I'm thinking, because what it sounds like is that these hijackals, it really kind of manifests itself when children are part of the equation, but oh, no, no it, so it can happen in a relationship or marriage before children are part of it. Or oh, absolutely. I mean, you can have hijackals at work. You can have hijackal leaders. You can have hijackal spiritual leaders. You can have hijackal clergy or doctors or attorneys or whomever. Oh, wow. Okay. So we're talking, right. we're talking the whole spectrum. <laughs> well, yes, because it's the deep, conditioning that they have as to how to behave in the world to be safe and in order for them to be safe everybody else has to be wrong because they can't possibly be wrong that would shatter them shatter them they can never entertain the idea that they made a mistake they will sometimes apologize for something but their behavior won't change they apologize for that something in order to get what they want in the moment but their underlying behavior is already set and it's not going to change and one things you know we're talking about attorneys in your field jason um a hijackal client will fire attorneys until they get a hijackal attorney that thinks like them right i've seen that um more times than i care to mention um and there was always a rule that i i had uh when i was representing people in their divorces which was if somebody came to me looking to hire me as their divorce attorney and I was the third or more attorney that they've gone through, I, I wouldn't take their case at all uh, because that was a pattern, a bad pattern. Well, it could be. It depends whether you were talking, whether it was the hijackal who was on their third attorney or whether it was the client because, uh, because the, uh, the respondent or the plaintiff, whichever is the non-hijackal, they will go through attorneys too because the attorney that they get says that they can be effective or says they've had difficult cases before, but they haven't had this kind of difficult case. And yeah. so they will perhaps not know exactly what to do, which is why often for my clients, as we're going through one phase of things when they've decided to leave and they're going to be going through legal things that I often am chatting with the attorney as well, their attorney, 
to paint the picture of this is what that person's likely to say. This is what they're likely to do. Here's the posture that they're going to have. Here's how to respond to it. Here's how to break it down and shatter their, their stance. So you have to really understand how hijackals think. Yeah, and I think that's so important. And I often talk about um, you know, having and creating the right divorce team to support you when you're going through that kind of a process, especially in a contested situation. And one of the, I think, key team members uh, in that team is uh, a therapist like yourself. And, you know, somebody who, along with an attorney, um, are in communication with each other, like a team, it's a team approach to, to help each other and, and approach it together. Um, so wise, Jason, so wise. Because nobody can know everything. Absolutely. Right. So when you get those different areas of expertise that have some depth and you bring them all together, the chances of you forming a whole picture and a united front are so much greater. It is. And unfortunately, it's my experience that, you know, if somebody has the resources for an attorney, you know, thinking the attorney is often the number one team member, which, you know, may or may not be, you know, true, uh, depending on the situation. I think, you know, I wish everybody had the resources for that, you know, to create that full team approach, because it does make such a difference, I think. Oh, I wish they did too. And here's another piece that really bears heavily on what you're just saying, is hijackals like to control everything. So one of the things they'll do in the relationship, they'll say, oh, let me manage the finances so you don't have to bother. And they will take it over. And then they will start to manipulate the finances. They'll start to send money into Switzerland or somewhere. They will start to buy things themselves and hide them. They will cook the books. They will... I had one client who the hijacker gave her um, money every month for the family and the food and all those kinds of things. And every month he gave her a little less and told her to learn to manage. Mm. And he didn't have one problem with the fact that she had to go to other family members to borrow money or to ask for help or to get groceries. He just wanted that humiliation that she had to do it. And it was he who was causing that humiliation because he constantly gave her a little less money. Right. So there you have power and control in the worst form because the children were suffering. Yeah, no, absolutely. And right. And, I, and they don't, I think they don't care or they don't see it. Um, but then what happens, Jason, when they need to have that team approach you're talking about, can they afford an attorney? Can they afford a relationship consultant like me? Can they afford what they need for their children? Not if they have to go to the hijackle for it. No. No, right? that's, when you, that's when you go to the court for it. But uh, You go to the court for it, but how to prepare to go to court? You have to be able to pay people who are willing to go to court and prepare you to go to court. And right. how do you say to the hijackle, hey, you know, I need $5,000. And they say, for what? They don't know they're about to be served. No, exactly. And, <laughs> so, and, you know, in my books, Jason, I tell people, do not broadcast the fact you're going to serve your hijackal. If you've decided to leave, I take them through a whole process of looking at their property, their assets, their, their 
emotional state, their oh, yeah. state, absolutely everything. And then we make the plan to leave all the things that we have to do. And I tell them repeatedly, do not broadcast that you're leaving. Oh, you yeah. are simply going to file. And hopefully on the day that your hijackle is served is the day after you moved out. No, I'm so glad you brought that up because I say that all the time, but, you know, I love it when it comes from other people, <laughs> you know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll help sink in a little bit, a little bit more because people think that, you know, when you file the complaint for divorce, uh, using a divorce as an example, that that's the beginning of the process. That's the first step. And I say, no, no, no. I say, you can, you can complete three fourths of the divorce before you file anything. And, right. you know, if I'm lucky enough to catch somebody who wants some help and, you know, is looking for divorce coaching and, and nothing has happened yet, you know, as far as official filings, I say you're in the perfect spot because preparation is the most important phase of the divorce process, in my opinion. Um, and like you said, you have so much stuff to do, you know, as inconspicuously as possible um, before, you know, you start doing something because as, as soon as you serve, uh, your hijackle with it's on. Uh, papers, um, forget about it. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, the fight's on. Yeah. Whatever access you think you have is closed. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to have to be dealing with so much other, uh, you know, drama that, you know, you need to do things ahead of time. So I'm glad you said that. Well, and I'm glad that you value that because this is my experience. You know, hijackles traffic and hope. And so if, you tell them you're going to leave them, they start to love bomb you. They turn back into that person that you first met, that one that you have in your head that you hope will return, the one you think is real. And I've had clients who have unfortunately broadcast that they were going to leave. They've ended up going back into the relationship three or four times before they finally leave. But they've created a morass of miserable feelings and misery um, that makes it way worse. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you've never threatened to leave, or even if you have threatened, but you haven't said you are leaving, don't say it. Take steps, prepare, get ready, do everything you possibly can with someone like Jason's help or my help. And then, as I said, then you file the day and they're served the day or the day after you've moved out. Yep. And you are then in a different position entirely. Some people, you see, the hijackles really like really nice people. So really nice people say, oh, that's not fair. Are you kidding? <laughs> nothing You're playing fair. <laughs> nothing the hijackles done has been fair, and now you think you should be fair? Yeah. No. And here's another thing, Jason, I think you'll agree with this one. I have people who say, and it's usually more often men than women who will say, I just want out of it. I, I'll give her everything. Just, I just want out of it. Oh, and yeah. I'm going, no, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not fair to you. It's not fair to the children. Don't do that. Right. They're just so, you know, maybe emotionally drained. They're fed up. And I get it. But yeah, no, you're, you're like, no, we're not doing that. No, we're not doing that. And they say, well, I just don't have the money and I just don't have the resources and I'm exhausted and I'm worn down to nothing. I know that. I know that. But here's the deal. You've got to hang in. And I'll give this example. I was working, first of all, with the couple, which often happens. You know, the hijacker want, it will engage in a package of sessions with me. 
um, because they want to appear to want the relationship to work. And so I always work in packages, so that that's paid for. Then the hijack call storms out after two or three sessions, and the uh, uh, other person has my services already paid for. But the thing here is that when you are working with these people, they are lethal to the point of wanting to know everything so that they no, no surprises, no surprises, no surprises. So if you in any way think that you are going to get anything or feel better by just walking out with nothing, it won't happen. So I was working with this couple. The fellow quit, of course, working with me quite soon because he wasn't having any of that. Nobody was going to speak to him like that. All I had said was, do you behave like this? <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Dr. Shaler, I, I can see how hijackals uh, might not be too fond of you. <laughs> well, they're really fond of me in the beginning because they see me as a mark. And they see all all people as a mark. So right. I'm a person to be exploited, seduced, manipulated. But You're when right. they You're find so that fast. they can't do it, uh, it really does annoy them quite a bit. But anyway, I had this couple. So we worked, and I worked with her, and we worked really hard. And she was very, very on it. She was great. She had every piece of paper, every number. She had access to everything. This guy went to such lengths that at one point... Her cell phone didn't work. She called the company. What happened? Well, you were just in here and cut it off. She went down there. She saw the surveillance video. He had had someone posture as her. Wow. And turn off the cell phone service. Wow. Right? And it went on and on and on like that. Now, she ran out of money. She was eventually living in her car. I was still talking with her maybe once a month to help her because it just couldn't leave her stranded out there. She kept saying, well, you tell me that he's going to implode. You tell me that he will. I said, he will. He will. It just takes longer in some cases. So finally the day came. She hung in there, God bless her. And they went into court, and the hijackal had brought his coup de grace, this guy who had been his business partner, and he was going to absolutely confirm and validate everything that had ever happened. And that guy came in and he confirmed and validated everything that had happened as the wife said. Oh, wow. And so he was in contempt of court. He had perjured himself. He was um, uh, charged with money laundering and he's going to be deported. Wow. Right? But she had the tenacity and the, and to hang in. She well, was both of you did. Yeah, well, yeah. I, you know, I, I just don't like to see that. You know, it's hard. I know. It's really hard, and so that can't happen in some cases. But you know, the thing is that she gets a whole lot of money. He'd been sending money to his mother in Switzerland, saying that she took all that the wife had taken all his money, and he couldn't pay child support. But meanwhile, all the records were finally found where he'd sent all the money. You know, so. Not everybody can hang in like that, but it is absolutely a bad, bad idea to be so worn down and really want to walk out and just say, oh, whatever. But please don't do that. It's a bad model to show your children. It's a bad model for you to say that you don't deserve to be treated well or fairly. 
It's just bad all the way around. And yes, if there's physical or sexual abuse, you may have to do that. And I absolutely honor, respect, and suggest that. But if there isn't sexual or physical abuse going on, it is emotional and verbal. No, do not let that person off the hook without a fair settlement. Yeah, it. you know, it... I'm glad you kind of brought that up. I mean, that's a, frankly a topic we could spend a whole nother show on. Maybe we will in the future. But, you know, when we're talking about abuse, you know, you have your physical abuse. Um, but then, you know, people often don't equate emotional abuse uh, or verbal abuse as being the same. And it can be just as damaging. Uh, both are domestic violence under the law. But, right. you know, emotional abuse is obviously, I think, I don't, want, I don't know if easier is the right word I want to use, but I can't come up with something better for right now. So, but, you know, easier to fight um, because physical abuse is, is terrible, obviously, and you have to protect yourself. And, and maybe that means running away for the time being. But emotional abuse, if you can persevere and, you know, fight back and learn how to cope, I think you, you have to. It's a war of attrition. You, you have to, you can't just run away and give up even though you want to, and that's the easy and quick way to do things. Right, because it's damaging to yourself. And you think that you'll be helping yourself by walking away from it. But what you're doing is saying, I don't matter. My kids don't matter. Just let me get out of this mess. And that's why I say to people, work with me. If there's no physical or sexual abuse, they'll ask me, you know, what should I do? They say, we need to work while you're in the relationship. We need to clarify who you are, what your values, your vision for your life is, all of those things. We need to see where you got these patterns. I need to give you new patterns to try. We need to calibrate what happens when you try those things. We have to try them long enough to see if there's any change. And then we have to make decisions at that point, whether to stay or whether to go. It's a long process and it's a worthwhile process because I don't want anybody walking out of that relationship and being a puddle in a low rent apartment feeling like I don't even know which way is up. That is no way to start the rest of your life. Exactly. You, right. You know, so that's why I feel so strongly about people not just walking out without a toothbrush, you know? You do that from a forest fire here in California. Please don't do that from a hijackal relationship. Absolutely. It, it's, um, you know, you want to put yourself in a good position um, because you're making a good decision by leaving. Yes, but when you get, when you aren't, have left and you're out there on your own, you don't want to be a puddle. You want to be a person who knows who they are and they're personally empowered and they know what they're going for and they're looking forward and they're not sitting there with a poor me, you know? Yes, you've got to heal all that, but you've got to have some perspective. You've got to have some desire for fulfilling potential, for having a better life and know what your steps are going to be and how you're going to do it and know what the pitfalls are so that when they happen, you don't catastrophize. All these things are invaluable, Jason. Yeah, I agree, Dr. Sheila. And, you know, I always tell people, look, you know, you got to try to look at the big picture. You can get, it's so easy to get kind of um, tunnel vision in a, in a bad spot in a divorce and, you know, you just don't see a way out. It's never going to end. 
but it will end. And I want you to think about the end and your life after divorce because, you know, we want it to be better for you. And, you know, you have, you know, better options and a better situation where you can meet and meet better relationships. And so, but you got to put yourself in that position so you're prepared. Right. Yes. And it's up to you. Nobody's going to do it for you. No, you got to take action. That's, that's my, I, I preach that till I'm nauseous sometimes, but you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, the help is out there for you. Um, that's why I, frankly, that's why I created my divorce coaching business to help people who, you know, can't afford to hire an attorney necessarily, but need the help. And it's, you know, there's affordable help out there for everybody. You just got to find it, but you got to take action too. And, and you got to invest in your future a little bit, but you know, it, it's there. Um, mm -hmm. Well, that's why Jason, that I have so many YouTube videos, you know, there's hundreds of them on my YouTube channel. It's called for relationship help, F O R relationship, H E L P. Yeah. We're going to put all my, that in the show notes for people listening. Yeah, so, so, you know, you can go over and you say, well, is it real? Okay, listen to a couple of videos or come to, I have two podcasts, listen to episodes of the podcast. So you, when you find yourself nodding, going, oh yeah, that's happening. Oh yeah, he or she did <laughs> exactly that. You start to say, oh, I'm beginning to see the picture. It's coming clear. I am not the terrible mess that this person tells me I am. I am not the fault of everything that I'm told I am. Yeah, those are patterns, traits, and cycles of hijackles. And I am the unlucky recipient of all that. Now I can stand up on my back legs and say, no, I don't want any of that. Thank you. Right. And, and this is not only happening to you. It happens to a lot of people, unfortunately. Exactly. You're not alone. Yep. Learn that too. You know, you're in a, an unfortunately large group. You're right. Unfortunately. <laughs> um, but the support is out there. Uh, you just have to look for it and, and want it, really. That's uh, right. So let's talk a little bit. You, you have a hijackle. Um, you know, maybe they have some self-awareness that they, what do you say? I, I missed that. You said you have a hijackle. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Um, but from a hijackle's perspective, if, is it something, if they, can they unlearn to be a hijackle or are they just doomed? Oh, well, I wouldn't say doomed. It's a, it's something that they were uh, taught as a way to respond to the world, as we spoke of earlier. Um, that's why I suggest people work with me while they're in the relationship. Let's find out, is this person just a self-centered jerk or do they really have a personality disorder? That's a big difference. Self-centered jerks sometimes can learn a whole lot and things can change. People who have truly have a personality disorder highly unlikely to change. So that's something that has to be learned in the beginning. And that's, that's absolutely worth learning. You should get off and learn that first. Right. But if, if you're the hijackle, I mean, it would seem to me the only way to want to get, but you have to want to change, right? Well, you would have to see a high need to change. But if you were actually a hijackal, um, you would not see a need to change. A true hijackal believes they're perfect just the way they are. Yeah, it's and everybody so else. Right? Everybody else's fault for absolutely everything. 
And so the likelihood of them ever coming for help is only, as I said, to manipulate, exploit, and seduce the mental health professional into believing them and ganging up with them against their partner, which happens far too frequently. I have clients who have been to four or five different therapists before they come to me. They've gone really hopeful that you know the therapist will see what the problem is. They will see clearly what's going on. But because they're not experienced in working with people like hijackals, they are seduced, manipulated, and exploited. And so they end up saying to the non-hijackal partner, well, you need to change. I mean, that's exactly the opposite of what that partner of a hijackal went to get help for. Right. Um, so, you know, that makes it, it makes it very, very difficult. And it makes it so imperative that when you are selecting someone to work with, that you work with somebody who has good credentials as well as the experience. Because there are lots of people out there who have had the experience and so they become coaches to say, well, let me help you identify the experience because I've been in it myself. But that's fine. But never, ever, ever hope that those people have the background, the education to help you get to the root cause, to move through all of that. That's when you have to be careful. I have a new client been with me now just for a few months and I've never had this before, but I am her 20th mental health professional. Wow. And she said to me, you are the only one who saw it. You are the only one who told me I'm not crazy. That's kind of scary though, Dr. Shaler. It is. Isn't I mean, what I'm glad you kind of touched on this because maybe this is a, a good opportunity to, to get it out there, if if somebody is looking for help, uh, whether it's relationship coaching or therapy, what are the credentials that are necessary, in your opinion, that they should be looking for in a professional to help deal with a, a hijackal situation? Oh, I don't know if I could do that. It's kind of by person, but really a person should have a good background in mental health training, generally. And then they should have specialization in traumas. They understand trauma bonding to understand the kinds of things that result from being raised by a hijackal parent so that you will then become hijackal bait and you will attract a hijackal partner. I mean, there are a lot of things. There are, there are people who uh, have had great experience and a lot of self-education and they can be effective. It's just on you to interview the person and find out have they had the experience do they have the training do they have training in psychology do they understand personality disorders have they ever worked with narcissistic abuse do they understand those emotional wounds can they help what's their track record is it their specialty if it's not their specialty move on find somebody else it's really like choosing an attorney. You know, you just got to do your due diligence um, and and know what you're know what you know who you're hiring, really. Right. And there's a big need, and fortunately, it's filled by many people who have had the experience, and they create groups, and they're wise enough to say these are support groups. Great first step, you know, because everybody's in that 
same business of identifying, oh my goodness, this happened to me. Oh, it happened to you too? Oh, yeah. And they have conversations about it. But if you don't want it to ever happen again, it's not just about identifying what went wrong and what was happening with the hijackal. It's about what made that hijackal attractive to you and what made them attractive to you, right? So there are two sides to that. What went on that allowed those behaviors to be okay enough for you to stay? All those kind of things. What's going on with your children? What are the models of your children? How do we mitigate the effect that being with a hijackal has on the children? What happens when you get into parental alienation? It's not enough to just have had the experience. You have to be able to heal the wounds. Right, and, and, and do the work, and then you can come out the other side. Right. Exactly. I love that. Um, all right, we have time for maybe one or two more questions. Um, I've always been curious. Have you ever dealt, had a client come to you, um, and then after you begin the, the process with the client, do you ever come to the conclusion that your client is the hijackal? Rarely, you know, I'm thinking back on 30 years. <laughs> um, or do you, you must have a good vetting process. <laughs> no, I don't. Um, well, I do, of course. When people talk to me, I can figure out whether I can help them or not. That's my vetting process. Um, but I, I can't think of anybody who came in of their own will. I can think of one or two people that came... They said they just wanted to get my take on something about whether or not I would help mediate their divorce. And in that context, I was able to see, oh, I know what you want. You want me on your side. Oh, by the way, do you know what mediation means? It means neutrality. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not, in, not in, the, um, in the field of helping people emotionally. Well, I guess like you said earlier, a hijackal doesn't think there's any need for help. So why would they come to you in the first place? Yeah, they would only come in order to lord it over their hijackal bait. Right, right. Say, well, I went. I mean, the number of times that I hear from someone whose partner has supposedly been in a therapeutic process, uh, and I'll say, for how long? Oh, well, they went twice. That's not a therapeutic process. Right. That's, that's having evidence that I went to counseling so that I can say I went and hope nobody asks me how many times. Right. Yeah, right. Two times. Okay. <laughs> what did you accomplish in the two times? <laughs> well, you know, what actually probably went on was they complained and the therapist listened and maybe asked a few questions and at the middle of the second session, the hijackle got angry and didn't go back because they don't like being questioned on their behavior. Right. As soon as they get the, the slightest pushback, then they don't want to deal with that. Well, sure. And let's, let's be fair in your profession and in mine, you know, so caveat emptor, um, there are people who will take your money for anything. Sure. So you want to sit and complain? You want me to say, yes, I think your partner's horrible. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Yes, you know, people should know their place. Yes, it's okay that you rent all the finances. Yes, it's okay to punish your children like that. 
and they go and they build themselves a nice condo somewhere on the beach. So be it. But don't be doing that. Don't, no. don't, don't, you know, hijackal will still not do that because they have to win over that person too. Right. Right. At the end of the day, that's, that's how they feed. Right. That's, that's it. That's a good yeah. word for it. All hijackals drink from the same pool of traits and they're all looking for the same source of supply. Yeah. The, let's end with this. Um, because after all, what I'm doing is I'm trying to help people going through a divorce and I know you deal with divorce um, and you work with people going through a divorce. Um, so let's, what tips do you have? Well, actually let's start with this. It'll be a two part question. <laughs> what, how do how do hijackals manipulate uh, or seek to gain the advantage during the divorce process? Well, first of all, they're going to do the how dare you's and I'll get you and they'll threaten you. They'll even threaten your physical safety. So they will scare you. They will do their best to scare you. So that's the beginning of their manipulation, which is why you don't want to broadcast that you're leaving them. Right. Right. Um, and if, if you're with somebody who's been physically abusive in the past, it's very likely that they will, in fact, be physically abusive in the future. So don't open yourselves up to that. And it's really important to keep on the forefront of your mind the safety of yourself and your children. Absolutely. Number one. Number one, you have to be safe. Mm -hmm. I always tell people if there's a slight, if you think there's any chance of, you know, domestic violence, um, have a plan, you know, you have to have a plan in case it happens, have an emergency bag packed, know where you're going to go. Um, mm-hmm. it just, it, it all goes back to preparation. It does. And, and psychological preparation in the fact that you stop rationalizing, stop justifying and making excuses for their bad behavior or taking the blame for their bad behavior. Right. Um, so the second part of that question, and we'll end on this, is what tips do you have or what are your best tips for people going through a divorce with a hijackal uh, on how to manage that or uh, cope, I guess would be. Okay. Number one, create distance, psychological and geographical distance. Don't ever try to divorce a hijackal while you're living in the same house with them. I've seen people try to do that. Not pretty. Not pretty at all. No good result. Right. First of all, create create distance. Secondly, be bold and speak up. Be empowered and say what you want, not what you're willing to take, but what you really want. Start from a strong position of, you know, I want 80% custody because of all the times that you've damaged us. Um, I do not want that, you know, be very, very clear that I, I'm, I'm going to be the person who is the protector and defender of all that is good. And I am not going to allow anything bad to continue. And that's why I'm in this process. So speak up and be strong, be empowered. That's why you do your work first and then stick with the process. You know, I had, I was raised by hijackals. There was no help. 
because I was in a small town, I would say, you know, my mother did this. They'd say, oh, your mother's wonderful. How can you say that? You are an ungrateful child, right? Mm. I was a teenager at the time. Um, always know that hijackles paint a public picture of perfection, and at home they create a private place of pain. So you need to be standing up and saying, there will no, be no more private place of, place of pain in my life. And nobody will be painting that picture of perfection either because I'm saying no to that. It doesn't fly. I am strong. And that person is not who you think they are. They're who I know they are. Right. Right. Okay. That's good. Um, now, when you say geographical distance, how do you suggest people do that if they don't have the resources to do that? Well, that's a big problem, which is why we do the preparation, Jason. Um, you know, sometimes we'll, it'll take a year before I get someone out of a situation. But at that time, they have had their own bank account. They have been putting away small bits of money. They've been getting things into their own names. They've been learning where the assets are. They've been learning where anything is hidden. They've gone through every tax return. You know, all of that. They, they know. So hopefully they have a little nest egg that they can move out with. That's the entire goal. But if you have to flee, yes, you're going to have to prevail on someone, get some help from someone, stay with them, go to a shelter, uh, find a situation that um, of safety and yeah. go there, right? And it may not be what you want. It may not be what you like, but it sure isn't where you've been. Absolutely. And, you know, while every situation is fact sensitive, I, you know, most every state has some sort of mechanism in the courts uh, to file a request for financial relief, right. um, whether the divorce has officially started or not. And that can be part of the, the plan, um, you know, to file as, if you're in a safe spot, uh, if it's not ideal, it's temporary. And then you file this application with the court and, you know, try to get the court to order uh, the hijackle to pay if he is the controller of the finances or she to pay um, you support, you know, that's court ordered. Right. Uh, and, that, and that can and be part of your resources. Support. Yeah, because they'll choose a number of what, what you have to have to, in order to live and we'll deal with the details later in the divorce proceeding, but at least you can have that. And that's one of the things that why you want to work with someone like Jason or me, because we know all that stuff. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so, so we can help you when you think there's nowhere to turn. We know where there are places to turn and what is appropriate and available for you. Don't, yep. don't, don't go anywhere that is not empowering to you that has the answers for you. Right. Right. That's great. Um, and I'm glad you, you agree with me on that. Wow. This has been a great discussion, I think. Really informative. I hope everybody out there uh, enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I think Dr. Shaler uh, shed some light on a lot of issues dealing with hijackles. Uh, so if that sounds familiar for your own personal experience, then you know who to contact. <laughs> um, Dr. Shaler, where can people find you? My website is for for relationship help, H -E -L -P .com, for relationship help .com. 
My YouTube channel is For Relationship Help. You can listen to my podcast, Emotional Savvy and Save Your Sanity, Help for Handling Hijackles. They're available wherever you like to get your podcasts or on Save Your Sanity is also available on Mental Health News Radio Network. All of these things are there for you so much to help you on your journey and to clarify your thinking. Great. And again, I'll put uh, all that information in the show notes. So don't be scrambling if you're in the car trying to write this down now um, or wherever you are. And uh, again, Dr. Schiller, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, We should do this again soon. Yes, I'd love to do it. Thank you so much, Jason. I look forward to speaking with you again. Wow. What did you think of that interview? Right? I mean, hijackles. I just love that word. And I think Dr. Scherler and I, we covered a lot of ground, but a lot of important ground for you guys. So no matter what you call it, look at the behavior that we're talking about. And frankly, you can call it whatever you want. But I love the term hijackles. If you have one in your life, you need to do something about it. But you need to do it in the right way, constructive way, and in an efficient manner. I hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned. Episodes are coming out every other Tuesday. Now, if you're interested in private divorce coaching, one-on-one with me, check me out at jasonlavoy.com and Divorce You is your place to go if you're looking for one-on-one coaching to get you through this difficult time. As always, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already so you get all the new episodes as they come out. In the meantime, all I'm going to ask you to do is be strong, act confident, and stay positive. As always, I'm Jason Lavoie, a.k.a. The Divorce Resource Guy, and I'll be seeing you soon.